0: Hey there. Welcome to the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Jones. On this podcast, we go in depth with leading experts from all walks of life to understand and improve your health and well-being. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Robert Silverman all about how the food you eat and your gut health relates to men's health and their testosterone levels. Dr. Silverman is a chiropractic doctor, clinical nutritionist, national and international speaker and author of the Amazon number one bestseller, Inside Out Health. He's the founder and CEO of Westchester Integrative Health Center and is on the advisory board for the Functional Medicine University. He is a seasoned health and wellness expert on both the speaking circuits and media and has frequently been a published author in peer reviewed journals and other mainstream publications. It was an absolute pleasure talking with him today as he really explained how the health of your gut has a massive influence on hormones, your brain function, joint health, and more. There really is more to it than just doing a testosterone injection. Here's a clip from today's
1: conversation. As we all know, inflammation or hidden inflammation is the reason for many of our chronic diseases most of our American healthcare dollars is spent on chronic disease. So we want to really be able to put out the fire without a fire alarm going off. It's amazing. So I believe that food sensitivities are that sauce or one of those main sources of hidden inflammation. Now, why is the food sensitivity so interesting versus a food allergy? Well, a food allergy really easy in that you'll know it. I mean, you'll go red, you'll itch you'll swell and you'll say, I'm not going to eat that shrimp. I'm not going to eat that peanut. You know it. But if you were sensitive to that nut, you wouldn't know it. Food sensitivities, the symptomology comes out 72 hours or up to 72 hours after the time of ingestion. So how could a patient or a layperson know, how can you and I as a doctor know without testing for food sensitivities? And the interesting thing about the food sensitivities is the prevalence of them have increased about 50% in the last five years in adults and 70% in children. The symptoms vary. They are without question in eight different food groups, milk, soy, eggs, wheat, peanuts, tree nuts, fish and shellfish. And the biggest thing is the delayed food sensitivities. Again, they come out up to about 72 hours after ingestion.
0: That's just a small taste of the amazing show that we have for you today. Hey, before we get started, I wanna talk to you about something that comes up pretty often on this podcast. And that, of course, is lab testing. You see, testing is one essential way to understand the root cause of an illness. And if you're an integrative or functional medicine practitioner, chances are you are placing a ton of orders with a ton of different labs. The Root Cause Medicine podcast is created by Rupa Health. And Rupa is the best way to order, manage and track results from over 25 different labs in one single place. Thank goodness, no need to create and log into multiple portals ever again. So if you are a practitioner, make sure you go sign up at rupahealth.com to create a free account today. Now, let's get on with the show. Dr. Rob Silverman, welcome to the show.
1: I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Dr. Jones.
0: Yes, I'm actually really excited because, as you know, women's health sort of gets all the attention, and we don't get a lot of attention to you men. So this is the episode where we're going to talk about food and GI health and all the things, how that wraps around men and male hormones, because it just, like I said, doesn't really get mentioned all that often.
1: Absolutely.
0: So you're my guy. You're my guy today to answer all these questions. Before we get started, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody give us a little background and who you are and then we'll jump into the questions.
1: Absolutely thanks for having me here. I'm excited to be able to share some insights on gut health pertaining to men's health. My name is Dr. Robert Silverman, Amazon best-selling author of Inside Out Health, ACA Sports Council Chiropractic Year 2015. I've been in private practice for 23 years. I'm a chiropractor who specializes in sports injuries and functional medicine. What drove me into chiropractic was something that I had, which was congenital, and I still have it, congenital torticollis. I was helped by a chiropractor. He changed my matrix in my life, my world, and everything. And I've been on a mission since then to help as many people as I can. As a matter of fact, my mission statement is really simple, creating health for future generations starting now. I love
0: that. I love that. That's a, I actually didn't know that story about you. So this is great. So speaking of which, let's set the stage. You see a lot of patients, you've been in practice a lot of years. What do you see going on with men's health in this world? What are you seeing with your patients? What are you seeing in the sports medicine world? What's going on?
1: It's a great leading question because I think one of the biggest problems is the American population is unhealthy and clearly the men's population is unhealthy. I mean, if COVID taught us anything, we're not a healthy country. And I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole in that diatribe, but without question, it's shown us that. So what are some of the problems in men's health? Well, men, Americans, consume too much sugar. Sugar is extremely deleterious. The average American consumes 160 pounds of sugar per year. So sugar works in the reward center of the brain. When mice were offered sugar, 94% of mice took sugar over cocaine. In addition to sugar, we, as a population, men are still included in that population. We consume too much wheat. The average American consumes 146 pounds of wheat per year. So when you combine those two factoids, we as an American are almost eating a pound of wheat or sugar per day. No bueno. Caloric sweetness to the tune of 142 pounds. And most people now are suffering from joint pain, back pain, musculoskeletal problems. You couple that with the overuse or the overexpression or overusage of antibiotics, I think it's 37 million pounds of antibiotics to use a year. And we as a population get 30 of them in our livestock. That equates to like 270 million prescriptions per year in humans. And over 50% of all hospital patients receive antibiotics. They're extremely ruinous to overall gut health. They blow our guts out. We lose all these different vitamins like calcium, B vitamins, and vitamin K. So unfortunately, when you say about men's health and where are we, We're just not that healthy as a population and not that healthy as in in a men's population.
0: And yet everybody just wants to focus on testosterone, right? When we talk about men's health, that's that's it. If it's not the prostate, it's the hormone testosterone. So I want to talk about that as it relates to everything you just said, diet and gut health. So let's tie that together. How is everything you said, the wheat, the sugar, everything, the fried, the bad oils, the alcohol, how is that affecting? men's health specifically?
1: Well, Hippocrates once said, all disease begins in the gut. (laughs) Alessio Fasano over 2000 years later said, all disease begins in the leaky gut. So there is my lead in. The problem is our guts are leaky and we can go into a tremendous amount of detail in that. But the foods, you mentioned a few of them, alcohol. People don't realize it. I know it feels good. It tastes good. I happen not to drink, but alcohol is extremely damaging to your gut lining. In addition to that, other foods like gluten, mm. gluten means glue. It sticks to your intestinal tract. There's been studies that shown that even if you have celiac disease, you're allergic to a protein and gluten, non-celiac sensitivity or gluten sensitivity, about four out of 10 people are sensitive to gluten. Whether it's in remission or you're perfectly theoretically healthy, your gut will be adversely affected and produce inflammation under the consumption of gluten. So gluten's a problem. And a lot of things grown in non-organic soils because of something called glyphosate. Glyphosate is inside something called Roundup. The World Health Organization has called Roundup a cancer-causing problem. And glyphosate is a major issue. Glyphosate is the world's biggest antibiotic, if you will. Now, the problem with glyphosate also is it's something called, not to get technical, haptenation. So you take this protein and it grabs a chemical You combine the two and you're really down a slippery health slope. Other things you may want to avoid in foods would be dairy. Mm. I know everybody hates when I say that. (laughs) They go, oh my God, I got to get you right. You just said it. (laughs) Cheese. Well, I'll tell you that. I feel your pain. Cheese is really tasty. The milks, the alternative milks we can do without that cheese, the vegan cheese just isn't cutting it. But let's be real. We're the only species that eats another species' milk. You don't see any goats eat cow milk, et cetera we are the only species that are eating that specific kind of uh, protein. Interestingly enough, some other things that are a problem, like I said earlier, is excessive amounts of sugar. And you're really looking at lectins and agglutins and food colorings and gums, all the emulsifiers and additives, all extremely damaging to your overall gut health, which leads you down a path of food sensitivities, ultimately to immune system issues. And hopefully we'll get to it that awful or fabulous, if you want to look at it, gut to brain axis.
0: Actually, let's go back to the leaky gut thing before we get to the food sensitivity, food intolerance. For some people listening, that might be a new concept to them. And it might, I mean, you and I being in the industry, we understand when we say leaky gut, we don't literally mean like a hose with holes in it. But can you explain to somebody what is the concept of leaky gut?
1: Absolutely. You know, our gut, 80% of our immune cells are in our gut. It's where our macro and micronutrients are absorbed. Our gut When we refer to it, there's a small intestine and a large intestine. The small intestine is sort of a misnomer. It's really long. It averages about 22 feet and it varies in most people between 20 and 52 feet. That said, the gut is a single layer epithelial cell that has the thickness of a wet paper towel. I like to refer to that small intestine or that gut lining as the screen door. Hmm. So when we have a screen door in the summertime in New York, where I'm from, and we open it up, if the screen is in its pristine condition, air goes back and forth and nothing else gets through. That's how a gut is supposed to uh, work. That's how it's supposed to perform. However, when that screen door has holes in it, flies and other insects are able to get through. Not really something that we want. The same thing happens in the gut. When that screen door has a hole in it, that referred to the idea of leaky. Certain larger undigested food particles, bacteria, viruses, and the such leak through cascading inflammation. So we want our gut in its pristine condition. Unfortunately, the concept of a leaky gut refers to the idea of it being too permeable, even though it's supposed to be semi-permeable.
0: I think that's the best explanation I've ever heard. I think that gives a great visual for everybody who's listening going. The
1: The screen door works. The
0: screen door works. The screen door works. So now tie that to food sensitivities, food intolerances. How does, what is that? And how does somebody, are you born with those? Can
1: you go on to develop them? Great question. I believe food sensitivities are one of the biggest reasons for hidden inflammation. And as we all know, inflammation or hidden inflammation is the reason for many of our chronic diseases. Most of our American healthcare dollars is spent on chronic disease. So we want to really be able to put out the fire without a fire alarm going off. It's amazing. So I believe that food sensitivities are that sauce are one of those main sources of hidden inflammation. Now, why is the food sensitivity so interesting versus a food allergy? Well, a food allergy really easy in that you'll know it. I mean, you'll go red, you'll itch, you'll swell, and you'll say, I'm not going to eat that shrimp. I'm not going to eat that peanut. How many of us have been on an airplane? I just was where they say, please no nuts and no peanuts, somebody's highly allergic. You know it. But if you were sensitive to that nut, you wouldn't know it. Food sensitivities, the symptomology comes out 72 hours or up to 72 hours after the time of ingestion. So how could a patient or a layperson know, how can you and I as a doctor know without testing for food sensitivities? And the interesting thing about the food sensitivities is the prevalence of them have increased about 50% in the last five years in adults and 70% in children. The symptoms vary. They are, without question, in eight different food groups, milk, soy, eggs, wheat, peanuts, tree nuts, fish, and cellfish. And the biggest thing is the delayed food sensitivities. Again, they come out up to about 72 hours after ingestion.
0: Which can make it really difficult. Let's say somebody Is eating well. Let's say they're eating something every day, as opposed to just eating it occasionally. Like let's take let's go back to our cheese example. Somebody's like, I like cheese. I have it occasionally. I have it a couple times a week. And oh, by the way, I have this eczema that won't go away. Oh, by the way, I'm always tired. Or oh, by the way, I have chronic constipation. And they're looking at everything else. And then this is what I have found: is you do you eat dairy? Not often. Not really. No, not really. Maybe a couple times a week. But based on what you just said. Up 72 hours later, every 72 hours, you're hitting your body with cheese and that's a sensitivity for you. That can be a real culprit, but it's hard to know without testing.
1: Right. And we've coined a phrase, testing, not guessing. Yeah. And I know you've heard it before. And that's why you go to a functional medicine practitioner. And that's why testing is so important. It creates a baseline of where you are. And it's really a great determinant because even though we're talking about leaky gut, not everybody has leaky gut. But you want to know if you have it, whether it's, and we'll go into more detail, I'm sure tight junctions, that's at, it's at the epithelial layer, if LPS is expressed and all these other things. But nevertheless, it's a baseline because you want to test and not guess. And I believe serum tests and many of these functional medicine tests are great baselines to be added into any doctor's armamentarium.
0: And what are you doing for food? Somebody's listening right now going man, I know it's a food, I just can't put my finger on it. What do you do to test? What's your favorite?
1: Well, my favorite without question is KBMO Diagnostics. I use their 176 FIT test. The FIT test stands for food inflammation testing. So it gives me 176 different foods that you can test for to see if they're inflamed in that you'll get a sensitivity to. But what's unique about this 176, in addition, it adds in additives and emulsifiers but it's a unique test. It's the only test that tests for what we call IgG. And everybody knows IgG is an antibody, but there's actually four IgGs, one through four. Most testing companies test IgG one through two. KBMO tests one through four. That enables you to get a full composite of antibodies. In addition, IgG number three tests for this inflammatory marker called complement. So when you're testing for IgG and complement, you're testing for a full immune system reaction, both what we call innate and adaptive immune system. So therefore you're testing for food sensitivity. You're testing to see if you're getting an adaptive antibody response, and you're also testing to see through complement if you're getting an innate response. So the accuracy is there and it's determinant if you're truly going to have that food sensitivity.
0: And you also mentioned even additives and emulsifiers, which I don't think people realize. I don't think People ever think about the additives in their energy drink or the emulsifiers in some of this boxed
1: food or quick food? Do you see those composite a lot? I see them composite an awful lot. As a matter of fact, studies have shown that the emulsifiers actually create a change in the microbiota that stimulates inflammation and damages the gut. So, if anything, I think they're one of the hidden gems, or if you will, the secret sauce to test for. <laughs> People understand that if they have a food sensitivity. But they, like you said, which was a great acknowledgement that they don't realize that these additives and emulsifiers are pre-elements and we get them in all our foods. 67% of the American diet caloric intake is due to ultra processed foods. And one of the biggest things in the ultra processed foods is additives and emulsifiers. Jack Elaine, chiropractor, 1936 once said, if man makes it, I won't eat it. Uh-huh. And that's my diet to start with for everybody.
0: That's. And short, sweet, and to the point. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. So if you're eating this food every day before you haven't had a test yet, you don't know what your food is or your additive or an emulsifier, you're eating it every day. What is actually happening at a microscopic level? What's happening in that little epithelial layer of the intestines in our gut? Yeah.
1: In our gut, which I love to refer to as our neighborhood or our ecosystem. Yeah. So what's interesting there? Our gut's interesting in that a lot of people talk about bacteria, but there's more to the gut than than bacteria. There's viruses, there's fungi, and there's even parasites. Like I said, I grew up in New York City, so we were very diverse. The more biodiverse your gut is, the more properties you have, the more functionality you have. The one thing that you don't want too much of is inflammation. And emulsifiers and additives can lead to inflammation in the local area. And in doing so, it can damage the gut lining Leading you down that slippery slope towards that leaky gut.
0: So you mentioned tight junctions earlier. Can you explain what those are? Oh yeah. Because I'm. What's cool is I'm reading now more and more, and I would say more mainstream, not necessarily a scientific. I'm. You seeing the word tight junction? I'm seeing the word leaky gut. So I'm loving this. That consumers can read this and find out about what's happening, but explain it here.
1: Absolutely. Dude. to speak to what you just said, which was another great point. If you were to Google leaky gut and any condition you would see a plethora of things show up. So if you just went to PubMed and did leaky gut, they're all there. So here's your gut, semi-permeable in its pristine condition. If this opens up, it's too permeable, it's leaky. It's kind of like that screen door with holes in it. Right here are your tight junctions. the little gates that put together or hold the epithelial lining. So when this tight junction comes apart and becomes a loose junction, that's a problem. And that's a more advanced form of leaky gut. The thing that you want to look for or you want to test for is a protein called zonulin. Mm. Zonulin is a protein that opens up tight junction proteins. And believe it or not, it's damaged from bleeding and intestinal bacteria. Those are two of the key elements. Zonulin actually pulls apart these tight junctions and there's little strings and those little strings rip apart. And when those strings rip apart, you have a structural component or structural damage. And what proves the structural damage is something called occludin. So these are protein enzymes you can test in a 176 FIT test if you'd like.
0: So you can actually know what's going on.
1: Yeah. Zonulin, interesting, is a protein synthesized in the intestinal liver cells. It's the only reversible regulator of intestinal permeability. Elevated levels of zonulin are listed with a litany of unhealthy diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis obesity, adult glucose intolerance, autoimmune, type 1 diabetes, and non-alcoholic fatty liver, to name a few. So without question, you want to really keep zonulin levels down. As an FYI, COVID has been shown to elevate zonulin levels. Therefore, COVID-19 has shown to increase your incidence of leaky
0: and we definitely see that either in ourselves if we've if we've had covid or our patients or our friends family and neighbors that will one gi symptoms
1: gastrointestinal
0: right can be one of the, the symptoms of covid having covid and then two the the long covid the long covid people who are experiencing not only gi but then all the systemic symptoms as well
1: it's interesting you mentioned that like i said i'm in new york and i'm in a spot that was a half a mile where i live mm-hmm. from the epicenter where it all started in march of 2020 so I had an insight to testing a lot of people prior for food sensitivities on the 176. And since then, because they deal with a lot of long COVID. And I can tell you there's a precipitous increase in people who have leaky gut post-COVID because we shed the virus through our gut. Mm-hmm. So my suggestion to a lot of people is in all the testing that they do, or if they're suffering from long COVID take a look at your gut health. It's not just mitochondrial function. It's a combination of the two. And FYI, mitochondria's origins are from bacteria and they have an interconnection with the gut and mitochondria works with the innate immune system. So you really have that tie-in link right there. I want
0: to go back to the symptoms actually, because I think, and you may agree, just seeing so many patients, again, the focus is on men's health. So men come into the office they don't know that they have leaky gut, but you're listening to their story, thinking to yourself, oh, wow, I bet you have leaky gut, gut inflammation. What are the symptoms they're coming to you with? I mean, is it always, doctor, I have gas, I have bloating, I have diarrhea, I have constipation, or is it the big hitters like rheumatoid arthritis or non-alcoholic fatty liver disease or these big ones? Or are there things in between?
1: You've got all the above and the things in between. So again,
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> you hit the
1: nail on the head. Do you get gas and bloating after you eat? If you say yes you probably have a gut problem. Do you Mm -hmm. get brain fog 45 minutes after you eat? Yes. Well, we know that gut on fire means brain on fire. Mm -hmm. There's no pain fibers in your gut. So that's why you have gas and bloating. There's no pain receptors in your brain. That's why you get brain fog. The nerve conduction is dimmed, but there's also some things. If you're struggling to lose weight, if you have an autoimmune disease, like you mentioned, constant migraines, thyroid, autoimmune problems, arthritis, brain fog, as I mentioned, fatigue, digestion, gut, skin problems, and maybe one of the hidden gems because of my chiropractic background, any kind of joint pain, back pain, muscle pain, you probably have some damage to your gut lining.
0: Yeah. And I want to focus in on some of these. So let's start with musculoskeletal. How does gut inflammation, gut issues tie into dock my joints, dock my knees, my elbows, my shoulders. I'm constantly getting low back pain. I strain things really easily. How is that connected?
1: Uh, such a good question. So exciting. It was a great article in February of 2022 on a new axis. It's called the gut to disc axis. I've been talking about the gut to joint axis. So if you have a leaky gut, which we kind of defined well before, you have an expression or an overexpression of something called cytokines. Everybody has heard about cytokines because of the cytokine storm. Cytokines are extremely inflammatory to the overall body, and especially the joints. So cytokines lead to an increase in arthritis and an increase in joint problems. And believe it or not, osteoarthritis is also a form of autoimmunity. Leaky gut leads to an excessive release of something called MMPs, matrix metalloproteinases. They're your body's own proteolytic enzymes that are released at the time of injury. They go around and eat all sorts of things, but their main goal is to eat fibrocartilage. What's our disc made out of? <sighs> fibrocartilage. What's a meniscus made out of? Fibrocartilage. So when they come into me as a chiropractor and they point at their lower back and they point at their shoulder, I tell them the gut is the epicenter of your health. If you don't have a healthy gut, you don't have a healthy life. So yeah, I may treat you. Yes, I may examine your shoulder. Obviously, I may MRI you, but I'm also going to see if you have any food sensitivities and or leaky gut.
0: You know, this is blowing people's minds right now. You know, people are like, I'm on my second steroid shot. You know, like I, I just keep taking ibuprofen. I like my doc told me I have Ooh. just aging joint disease, so there's nothing I can do. Not realizing everything we've just been talking about could be a major player.
1: It's funny you said ibuprofen, non-steroid anti-inflammatory
0: NSAIDs. Yeah,
1: I leave Advil, ibuprofen, Tylenols a pain and fever. NSAIDs, NSAIDs decrease pain but they impair healing. Nutraceuticals decrease pain but promote healing. Which would we want to promote? NSAIDs cause leaky gut, they cause blood brain damage. NSAIDs, really, I mean, I get to break the pain scale. I understand it. Mm-hmm. But if you're taking it like you would take a breath mint, you're really not doing your body, your joints or any of your barriers of service.
0: You mentioned brain. I want to go back to that. It's your, the gut brain access. How does that connect?
1: Whatever you do to your gut, you do to your brain. Whatever you do to your brain, you do to your gut your brain reads and registers through specific nerve impulses through this nerve called the vagus nerve, cranial nerve number 10, the great wanderer. So the vagus nerve communicates through a neuronal impulse from a gut to the brain and the brain to the gut. We have hormones. We also have blood sugar. We also have the bloodstream, excuse me. So there's a multitude of ways that the gut and the brain can communicate. I call the gut to the brain and the brain to the gut, the super highway to health.
0: And we see that messed up a lot, which is, I'm going to call it messed up is the scientific term.
1: I love that word. (laughs) Messed up is great. I mean, when you think about what you do to your brain, even with, for instance, a great example, not to get off track is everybody knows what a concussion is. Mm -hmm. 60% of people have a concussion, suffer from either leaky gut or SIBO, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. So when you go to a practitioner, and again, this really exemplifies why blood tests are so important in functional medicine, which allows to get to the root cause or the root cause so you get resolution. One of the things you're going to look at is systemic tests, barriers. So I'm a big believer when I test, I'm looking for a few things. One, I want to remove triggers, a trigger like a protein, a chemical, an emulsifier. I want to check barriers, the blood-brain barrier, the gut barrier. And the like, because I ultimately want the body to be able to communicate in harmony, which I call health versus not harmony or like a bunch, an orchestra that has no conductor, which I like to refer to as Mm -hmm. Mm dis-ease.
0: I like it. I like it. So I want to go back to concussions then. How often in your practice are you seeing brain trauma, concussions,
1: hits to the head? I am seeing concussions and subconcussions all the time because unfortunately, not enough people treat it. Yeah. And with the functional medicine lens, it really allows me to get some insight. Check this out, if you will. <laughs> people post-concussions have an increase in food sensitivities. The fit test has shown me that. People who have a concussion have an increased amount of leaky gut and/or damage to tight junctions. The fit test has done that for me, also. So when somebody comes in, you've got to. Better yet, when you're looking for a doctor, you're looking for somebody who's going to use testing as a baseline and look at the body as a whole, because that's what a holistic practitioner is. And also exemplify and emphasize the body and looking at the body from the inside out.
0: And that just doesn't happen, unfortunately, nowadays, right? If we just stick on the theme of concussion, you hit your head, you get a car accident, you play in hockey, sports injury, football, whatever. They just focus above the shoulder. That's all they're looking at. They're not looking at the fact that just like you said, that hit to the head, brain inflammation, it's immediately going down and talking to the gut and saying, I'm a mess. I'm dysfunctional. I'm inflamed. And the gut just takes it from there and then runs it systemically through the rest of the body.
1: Thomas Edison once said, the sole purpose of the body is to support and hold the head.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. And yet it's, we, boy, we get that wrong, don't we? Unfortunately. 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 What about hormones? I mentioned testosterone at the very beginning. When it comes to men's health, it's like they check a total testosterone. And it's borderline low or outright low. And sure, next thing you know, you're getting testosterone injections. How did food and gut health impact the way you produce testosterone?
1: Well, here's your 35-foot view. And it was very interesting. I called up about 10 of my friends and said, hey, guys, does gut health have any impact on testosterone? And they were like, I think so. So- <laughs> You posed a fabulous question today because many of the practitioners weren't sure about it because we don't discuss it enough. And of course, as I said, it would take a female practitioner to mention to all male practitioners, guys, this testosterone thing. Do you think maybe you should look at the gut health? 35,000 foot view. Gut health and hormones testosterone being a hormone are interconnected. Mm. It's something that's paradoxical in, in its term. It's called a gilding theory. Mm. Gut endotoxin leading to a decline in gonadal function. You know what that means? Essentially, gut health and damage to gut health lead you down a path of decreased testosterone. Because if you've got a compromised gut and you release something called LPS, lipopolysaccharide, which holds gram-negative bacteria on the inside of the intestinal wall, and when that gets through, it hangs on the outside of the wall. Hope everybody got that. Mm-hmm. And it gets through into the bloodstream. It's called an endotoxin. This endotoxin attaches to the testes and causes a decreased production in testosterone. So the takeaway is your gut health is critical for good quality testosterone. You don't know how many guys I have here. It's big. Oh, well, I want to. I'm 50 years old. I want my testosterone to go up. I want to feel strong and lift weights and you know, all that kind of stuff and be better suited than taking a synthetic hormone. They probably would be better suited testing to see if they have a leaky gut and or expression of endotoxin because that would be a quick, full fix.
0: I'm sure just by their story, their symptoms, by looking at them at this point, having seen so many patients over the years, you can just call it. Obviously you're testing, but I'm sure you're looking at these men going, no, I know what's going on with you.
1: Well, I think you're alluded to the fact that they may be a little corpulent. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Fat cells are depositories for toxins. They're also depositories for inflammatory marker. IL-6, a great blood marker, gets released and stored in fat cells. And when you have an increased inflammation in your gut, remember, now you have a pro-inflammatory arena in your gut. You're going to have more incidence of leaky gut cascading down, lower testosterone. So for me, again, the gut is the epicenter of your health. It's a great choice to start looking at for vast different things. It's not the end all, but it's probably at least the starting point.
0: So speaking of which, and I don't mean to generalize when it comes to men's health, but other than foods, what other habits do people have that are worsening their gut health? Like everything from maybe stress, we've mentioned alcohol, medications. I'm sure you're seeing men on mm. proton pump inhibitors for heartburn, things like, like what else, if somebody's listening, going, all right, besides food, what else should I be, what else affects my gut? Oh. What list would you give them besides just saying yes?
1: <laughs> the list is long yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to just say yes, I hear you. So things that we mentioned before, antibiotics, the nuclear weapon, acid blocking drugs, PPIs, you're supposed to take them for four to six weeks over the counter. They take them for four to six decades. Oh, yeah. And that's heavy metal exposure. And I mean, we should talk about that for like hours on end. Yeah, let's. Yeah. What an issue. Environmental toxins to piggyback on that. We mentioned concussion, cesarean bursts with the ladies with the staphylococcus on the skin, liver toxicity. Remember, the liver and the gut are bidirectional gut dysbiosis and leveling of good and bad bacteria. You need 85% good bacteria not to have gut dysbiosis. It's not 51% and you win the presidency. It's weird. (laughs) Food sensitivities, which we delineated before, yeast and bacteria overgrowth like candida, chronic stress, sleep deprivation, chronic inflammation. Some of the things that we mentioned before, you really highlighted alcohol, gluten, dairy, sugar, artificial sweeteners. And let's say it again food additives, and emulsifiers.
0: Can you, I just want to, we didn't talk about this before, but sleep, I do want to hit home on the importance of sleep. I feel like a lot of men are up late for whatever reason. They're up late working, they're up late gaming, they're up late being new fathers. And I understand that, but just explain one more time to everyone listening why sleep is so important.
1: Well it was interesting there was a study that came out last night that said we instead of needing 8 hours we have a bare minimum of 7 good quality hours of sleep. So I wear a lot of wearables and detectables to see the quality and the amount of sleep I get. In essence, sleep is the time to rest and recover. I mean if you've ever seen a busy highway and you need to do repair on the highway, you need no traffic. So you mm-hmm. need to rest and recover and sleep is that critical element. As a matter of fact, for the gut to brain axis your brain goes to 40% of its size when you get good quality sleep and squeezes like a sponge all the metabolic waste out.
0: Which I don't think people, we were never taught this.
1: No, we were not. I mean,
0: you and I were taught this in school, but like just the average American listening is never taught any of this stuff. You know, we're taught you should sleep, you need sleep. But if we knew the why behind it, if somebody listening is like, I had no idea. That's when you repair. That's when my brain squeezes out all the metabolic crap. I didn't know that
1: the light bulb has ruined our ability to sleep because people knew before the light bulb, it was dark. We go to sleep. It's light. We get up and we eat. Mm-hmm. And also we work within that circadian rhythm mm-hmm. in that when it was light, we ate. And when it was dark, we didn't eat anymore. So they knew the light bulb, you can turn the light on and you can stay up all night yeah. other than if you live in, let's say, Alaska.
0: <laughs> and people do too, right? They're on their phones, they're on their devices, their TV their oh, And especially during the pandemic, I mean, just the amount of TV watching, episode watching, the joke was just Netflix all night long because you had to stay at home. The work from home thing was new. And I just, so many of my neighbors and friends were like, oh my gosh, I didn't go to bed till one or two in the morning. I just kept watching all these episodes I never had time to watch before. I said, well, you're screwing up your rhythm. I get it, but come on.
1: Binge watching will do it to you. There's a lot of good stuff out there to binge watch.
0: That is. And then you add social media on top of it. You're just scrolling and flipping through late at night. You're getting that bright light from your phone, messing with your brain and it's recipe for disaster.
1: Without question. They've got you've, yeah. you. Know, one of the things, if we had to give a lifestyle hack would be put the phone down a half hour, an hour before you go to sleep, get rid of that blue light without question. Yeah. Don't fall asleep to the TV.
0: Yeah. I uh, hear, here, I fully agree with you 10%. Well. As we wrap this up, given that this is the Root Cause Medicine Podcast, and we have talked about so many practical, tactical things, which I absolutely love, but I kind of want to just leave everybody with what are one or two of your favorite pieces of advice, suggestions, things to consider when it comes to food sensitivities, food intolerances, gut health, and just men's health?
1: Well, without question, change your lifestyle. Mm. Understand that it's diet, exercise, and mindset. But I'll give you a couple of acronyms to remember on foods that you definitely want to avoid because you can run outrun a bad diet and yeah. you can't supplement a bad diet. Yeah. That said, GPS, GPS, no gluten, no processed food, no added sugar. Take care of your DNA, no dairy, no nicotine, no artificial sweeteners. And one last thing, avoid vegetable oils. Mm-hmm. Vegetable oils are not vegetables, they're seed oils. And they're used most commonly in restaurants. So everybody after today, please, whatever you do, become allergic (laughs) to vegetable oils and make them cook with something else. And lastly, go test and see if you have a food sensitivity or a leaky gut, because the gut is the epicenter of your health.
0: Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Tell everyone where they can find you. Where can they find you?
1: They can find me. I'm Dr. Rob Silverman. Website and all the social media. Facebook, follow me, and Instagram.
0: Love it, fantastic. We will have those links down below in the show notes for everyone too.
1: Absolutely, and if you want to test, try to test KBMO Diagnostic, ask for James White. Tell him I sent you, and reach out to me. I'd like to see your results.
0: I love it. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the Root Cause Medicine podcast today, Dr. Silverman. I appreciate it, and I love everything you said, because it was just so clear, straightforward, great analogies, and honestly, practical to
1: implement. Thanks so much for having me. Just remember, Jim Rohn once said, a real fav of mine, take care of your body. It's the only place you have to live.
0: Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I have one quick favor to ask before you go. If you loved today's conversation, would you mind leaving us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now? My whole goal is education. So positive reviews are actually the number one thing that help new people discover the show. You're amazing. I so appreciate it. And I'll catch you on the next episode.